before he could finish his prepared speech and offer simply to be a servant in his father's household, a slave. His father interrupts him and doubles down on his sonship more than ever before, and in a very real sense, he was reborn into the family, made a son that his father never had. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's word. Hi, today's word is huios. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, Paul writes, But now that faith has come, We are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. The word I want to draw here is the word sons. Uh, Huios in the Greek, in a literal sense, it refers to a male child who is a son by birth or by adoption. But the Bible frequently uses this word figuratively to refer to anyone sharing the same nature as a father figure, in which case it is to be understood generally as children, referring both to male and and female believers as God is our heavenly Father. John 1.12 makes this abundantly clear. The Christian becomes a child of God by being, quote, born again to the Father through the Holy Spirit and by faith in Jesus, who is the Son. And it is the Son, Jesus Christ, who Scripture calls our spiritual brother. This is the scandal of the gospel and one of the profound realities of being in Christ. We are made the adopted siblings of none other than Jesus Christ. The concept of sonship bears with it two very important aspects from the ancient world that remain true today, perhaps to a lesser degree. The first is likeness. As a son or daughter of God, there is an expectation that we look like him, act like him, think like him, that the apple doesn't fall far from the proverbial tree. The other is livelihood, especially in ancient times and in some places more than others. If your father was well off, you were well off. You benefited from your father's reputation as well as his ability to provide and protect. Finally, you were guaranteed an inheritance and the opportunity to continue his legacy and enjoy his success. And so in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, we prove ourselves to be children of God by our godliness and by our happy confidence that we are set for life, for eternal life. While Jesus is the most prominent son in the Bible, another prominent son comes to mind, and that is the prodigal son. In Luke 15, this is a beautiful story, not to mention a relatable story, where we see an aspect of sonship that must be understood to truly be sons and daughters of God in a spiritual sense. Luke records this parable of Jesus, and he says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divides his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took on a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property with reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is a story of a young man who was technically his father's child, his son. But due to the lack of respect for his father and due to the ingratitude of his father's costly inheritance, he was no true son. He appreciated neither who his father was, that he might emulate his character, or what his father had, that he might manage well what was assigned to him. But to quote Jesus in verse 17, he came to himself. Essentially, this means he came to his senses. His eyes were open to the kind character, the generous provision of his father. And so he returned and said the words that every adopted child of God has said, at least in their hearts. At the moment of salvation, we cry out and we say what the prodigal son here says, that we have sinned against God and we no longer deserve to be his child. But before the prodigal son could begin his prepared speech, the father had run, hugged, and kissed his son. And then before he could finish his prepared speech and offer simply to be a servant in his father's household, a slave, his father interrupts him and doubles down on his sonship more than ever before. And in a very real sense, he was reborn into the family, made a son that his father never had. In the Roman world, as is the case today, an adopted child is legally considered as much a child as their biological counterparts. And as nearly every adoptive parent will tell you, it doesn't even cross our minds that our adopted child is any less ours than our biological children. And as a Christian, we can be sure in our adoption as children of God because we are, to quote Paul in Ephesians 1, we are predestined for adoption, quote, through Jesus Christ. This means that we are, brace yourself, as much in the family of God as Christ himself. To say we don't deserve such intimate and confident access to God is a colossal understatement, but we are shown a love and given an honor the likes of the prodigal son. In Christ, the Father lavishes on us every imaginable blessing and invites us in to share Christ's inheritance as joint heirs with him. Unlike our earthly family dynamics, we never grow out of our need for spiritual parentage. The plan in our homes is for our children to need the practical support, guidance, and protection of their parents less and less over time. Our job as parents is to raise them, train them, and release them. Our job as kids is to grow up and go out. This is far from the case in our spiritual relationship to God. You could even say it's opposite. The more we mature, the more we see our need for him. But what a freeing and comforting concept this is, that I am a child of the king, the creator of the universe, that God is my father. And so, Christian, how real is this to you? Think about how little children express their love, their dependence, their trust for a capable man who to them is called their daddy. 
Think about how carefree and fearless little children in the immediate presence of loving parents are. Do these images describe your life today? Do they describe the attitude that you have toward your needs, your desires, the things that you are pursuing in your life simply because you are a daughter or a son of God the Father?